This is Power Players with Dan Clark. This is a podcast interview with extraordinary branding expert and super influencer, Kelly Cardenas. Welcome to Power Players with Dan Clark, former athlete, Hall of Fame speaker, New York Times bestselling author, and high-performance business coach. Where each and every week I bring you an inspiring message from an extraordinary human being who will share their secrets on how you can tap into your personal power to become everything you were born to be. Thanks for spending some time with me today. In this episode, my dear friend Kelly Cardenas, entrepreneurial hair salon developer, revolutionary branding expert, and whose podcast is in the top 1% globally, shares his life and climb to the top of his profession, which allowed him to sell his salon package for millions to become one of the most in-demand experts on how to build yourself and your organization into an iconic brand, giving us an inside glimpse into the work-life balance, mind, and heart of a devoted family man millionaire. Hi, welcome to Power Players with Dan Clark. As you know, I only interview A-listers who have somehow taken their own life experience and figured out a way to meet the right people, engage in the right experiences, and prove true that we actually do become the average of the five people we associate with the most, which means we must be willing to pay any price and travel any distance to associate with extraordinary human beings, even on podcasts. And I'm here with a mentor, I'm here with a friend, I'm here with an extraordinary human being. His name is Kelly Cardenas, and even though I know so much about this real-life superhero, this cartoon character you can see by his hairdo and his giant smile and his charismatic energy. I need to read just a few lines of his bio, which is really about two and a half pages long, but I wanted to make sure I highlighted a couple of things as we invite you onto this podcast episode so that you get a feel for why you should listen to Kelly Cardenas And most importantly, as our conversation takes us to the next question, which is the most important, can you do what Kelly has done to unleash your own personal power and become that extraordinary, significant human being in your life, especially in your family and personal relationships, in your professional world? And then obviously that translates into how we can make a difference to change our world, heal America, with a shout out to the war victims anywhere in the world who are suffering of no no, uh, fault of themselves. So with that, let me just revert to my paper, and I'm not usually um, relegated to reading something in my profession, especially with so much love and and admiration for you, Kelly, but I gotta get this right. Kelly Cardenas is a Forbes magazine contributing author, best-selling author, a podcast host, whose show is ranked in the top 1% of podcasts globally. He's a former CEO of a national multi-million dollar brand. And get this, I love the, the, the verbiage, and a cultural efficiency coach. My buddy Kelly is the go-to when it comes to constructing a culture that will have sustained success in all aspects of your business. Think about that, all aspects. Kelly believes that building an iconic brand, business, and empire is a simple process once we start to focus on what really matters and what really matters most is what lasts the longest. 
My buddy Kelly's system zeroes in on the heartbeat of any organization, people. So when you go to his website and you're fascinated by these amazing uh, hair salons, high-end hair salons <clears throat> that he uh, started, built, and sold in Chicago, in Las Vegas, and in the San Diego area, Carlsbad to be exact, you'll realize that regardless of what he uses as a vehicle, he's a people builder and people come first. Mission always, people first, mission always. My guest, Kelly Cardenas, man, it is such an honor to have you in the studio. He flew in from California on his way to stay in his place in Park City. And uh, because we know that this Power Players podcast is meant to be, it really is the, the way the stars have aligned with the guests I've had a chance to interview and the folks that I've been able to waltz in here in the in the beautiful podcast studio at KETV Studios. It's meant to be. He just flew and I picked him and his buddy Jay up at the airport and we came straight here. And uh, I can't thank you enough, bro. I cannot thank you enough. And, and you're in for a treat, my, my dear friends. Well, I have to thank you and exactly what you said where you have to be willing to invest. We got a chance to talk to yesterday. And when we talked yesterday, you said that you had a couple of things that were available, and I learned that you just invite yourself to the party. I invited myself here. If you remember on our phone call, I said, hey, I'll be there. Um, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to call my buddy Jay, let him know that we're going to be here. But the opportunity to be around somebody like yourself, um, it just it, it takes you to a whole different I'm, I'm, I'm pinching myself right now. So. You're so funny. You know, you're a mutual friend of ours, <clears throat> Dr. Greg Reed. He also lives in the Carlsbad area. He has one of the most iconic masterminds on the planet called Secret Knock, and that's where Kelly and I first met. But Greg tells a famous story that relates to what you just said, where he had an opportunity to travel with Mr. Lamborghini. We've all talked about Lamborghinis, and a lot of our mutual friends have Lambos, and they show their picture standing next to their car. Well, Greg Reed had a chance to go with Lamborghini and he actually invited over 50 of his friends to join him. And he said not one of them showed up. So to your point, when the door opens, so many people say, ah, I don't know, I've got so many other things, i got so many plans. And the reason why you're here and you have one of the top 1% podcasts in the world is because obviously you take action on every idea, on every reason. I invited him to, uh, actually I asked him if he was going to join uh, Greg Reed and I was going to be one of the keynote speakers again down in San Diego at this famous secret knock and what did you tell me bro? Well my wife and I when we uh, constructed our business uh, we, we reconstructed we shifted about two years ago as the whole world did and we made a commitment to both of each other that we were going to wrap our business around our family as opposed to our family around our business which we had done for so many years and um, we had had plans for Hawaii and then they were kind of off for a little bit and Greg called me and said, hey, you're speaking, and I was excited about it. And then my wife, 15 minutes later, says, oh, it's back on in Hawaii. And I called my brother and I said, I got a dilemma. He said, what's the dilemma? I told him the situation. He said, there's no dilemma. You're going to Hawaii. And choosing family over everything makes everything else even better. Absolutely, and that reminder to me is the reason why I called Greg Reed. I was fitting in, I was gonna be the opening speaker on the second day because of a family commitment uh, that I had made for the first day. And I just said, no, I'm gonna package it as a three-day family commitment. I'll just catch you next year, bro, on the, on the rebound. And he appreciated that and he respects us. 
and it was because of your influence that that red light went up and that flag went up and said, Clark, you know, any male can be a father, but it takes a special man to be a dad. Don't just practice what you preach, preach only what you practice, and that's the reputation you have, Kelly. Everybody loves you. Uh, we have mutual friends whom he's had on his podcast, and I was in a conversation just this week, and this famous guest, <clears throat> dear friend of both of ours, his uh, right hand in the office, his operations manager said that Kelly Cardenas was the very best interview that this gentleman had ever had. And that is why I called you to just compliment you and pass on what the reputation is behind your back and that's why this all happened. Because I made a move to thank him for his example. He responded by saying, thank you Clark for inviting me and we're both gonna take action and we're here in this beautiful studio at KUTV, Salt Lake City, Utah. So let's get on with this. Uh, Enough of the love fest, I'm sure we'll ooze out as we go. But let's start at the beginning. Yes, the sir. cool tie that Kelly has with Utah, even though this is an international podcast, is that his parents grew up in Tooele, Utah. And my family also, uh, my father and his siblings grew up in the Tooele, Grantsville, Utah area. We have mutual uh, historical sites and history that connects our families together. And although Kelly didn't grow up in Utah, they had moved, that alone is part of my message here with power players, with Dan Clark. It's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. It's not the size of the town, whoa me, I came from a little town with 200 people, whoa me, this is the hand I've been dealt, I've got, it's not fair, victim mentality, no! Fire up, and that's what you've done, Kelly. Let's take us all the way back to your childhood. I wanna know how and where your, your, your greatest, your first memory your first opportunity that you discovered about yourself that you really were a serial entrepreneur, that you loved to look at things not for what they were, but for what they had the power to become. Well, I have to give the credit, credit right to my parents. My first, uh, my first memory is in a single wide mobile home in uh, Idaho, uh, in Mount Home, Idaho. And I remember snowflakes coming down and my brother would always play tricks on me. And he told me uh, that snowflakes uh, not just the, the big snowflakes were poisonous. And if you touched them, then you would die. And it's snowing a lot, and all the kids are putting their tongues out, and I ran around to every one of my friends, and I said, don't eat the snow, you're gonna die. They're poisonous. And that was the, the, the thing that my brother would constantly do to me, but what it, what it was was being the younger brother. I always had what I call rose-colored glasses, because I got to make up my own reality. And a lot of that was because my parents, you know, they were sometimes having challenges. They were young parents, especially from Utah. And my brother, the older brother, would step in between them and he would push me into my room to play with my toys. And at that point, I realized, I started to realize that I could make up my own reality, even though there was fighting going on in, outside, that when I was playing with my toys, I got to literally make up exactly my own reality, and, and I truly believed in it, even if it wasn't reality to anybody else. So how did that transpose into uh, your teenage years? Let's just take it in a sequential yeah. order. So, um, which leads to the law of attraction. We don't <laughs> attract who we want, we attract who we are, and your wife comes into play, and your three beautiful children. I wanna take our listeners on that journey. So let's just take you to high school. What was your high school experience like? Did you fit in? Were you an icon? 
were you popular? Were you a wallflower? <laughs> you know, tell me about you. Well, there was, I think there was three things that my, my parents set me up with. My mom told me I was awesome. Uh, disconnect yourself from your accomplishments, right? So just, you're awesome. Whether you get a B, C, D, A, whatever it was, the A didn't make you awesome, you're just awesome. Number two, you're beautiful. Don't compare yourself to anybody. And number three, it was that you could do anything that you put your mind to, but just because you could do it, doesn't make it your purpose. And I think she did this because we didn't have the finances to be able to have all the stuff that the cool kids had. And I remember a time I was wearing a short sleeve sweater and Dan, there should never be a time in your life ever she you should wear a short sleeve sweater. But I had one because it was from the thrift store. And I come walking across campus and I remember like it was yesterday. I come walking across campus and everybody's looking and this girl starts yelling out, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And I turn and I look, I'm thinking something's happening. But she's oh my gosh it about me. And she's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're wearing a short sleeve sweater. That's the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I went back to what my mom had told me, that when you look in the mirror, fall in love. And if you fall in love, then no one else will have a problem with it. If they do, it's their problem. So I channeled that and I turned to her and everyone's staring at me. Everyone's silent at this time. That's the ugliest sweater I've ever seen. And I turned and I said, that's funny. When I put this on this morning, I wasn't thinking about you. And everyone in, this, everyone in school was like, ah, ah, ah. And what it did was it helped people to real or think that this was my style. It wasn't my style then, it's just what I had. But my parents, again, always telling me, just fall in love with where you're at, and that creates the magic. So that ties directly in with what you're famous for in the business sector, helping someone create an iconic brand. Uh, and I would suspect that that means first you begin with the iconic brand, who are you really? What do you say to the world before you open your mouth? And then you transpose and transform that into the iconic brand with continuity, with alignment. There can't be any disconnect or people are like, really? And then you help them transpose that, that personal brand into a professional brand and build it into something that people always remember. Take us on that journey, bro, because now we understand the foundation. It all makes sense to me now. <laughs> well, I, I your think mom taught you this is a brand, baby. You were the first brand. You were the first brander in your high school. Think about <laughs> it. Because most of us bought clothes to fit in. Uh -huh. Most of us wanted to be like everybody else. What a shame. Well, most of most of the people, and if you had a mom out there like I had, which was phenomenal, she she would roll up uh, clothes at the thrift store because she would buy a bag for ninety nine cents. And it was called the Bag Deal Saturday, and she would uh, whatever you could fit in that bag, you could get for ninety nine cents. But my mom could roll things really good, so she had fit all this stuff in, and it didn't fit us. It wasn't our style, but it's what we got. And so my brother, a lot of times, Rob, shout out to you, but Rob would be mad at it because he wouldn't have the stuff, but I was like, if I'm in this, I'm going all in. So I would go to the thrift store and buy the ugliest thing in the world and then roll in with it, and people would look at it, and, and because I didn't have a problem with it, they thought, oh wow, he's just different. I wasn't different, I was just broke, right? And I think that that's how the, the brand started too, is I lost my job, you know, I, I was uh, probably 15, 16 years ago, I lost my job on, a, on my day off and I didn't have anything. And I remember my brother had bought me a Jamaican t-shirt. He went on his uh, honeymoon and it had a little stick figure and it was a running stick figure and it had dreads on it, it said Rastaman. And I had dreads at the time. So I was like, wow, this would be cool. Maybe I could create an iconic, and the woman kept making the logo with a face in it. And I said, I don't want a face in it. She said, no, you'd have to have the face, like Alfred Hitchcock. I said, no, I don't want the face because I want it to be an icon that anyone could put their face in and it'd be a movement that 
you're going to make the place better than the way that you found it. And when, when I said it at first, I said, I want to create the Nike symbol of the hair industry. And people were like, what? Like, you're broke. You ain't even got a job. And I bought like five t-shirts and I wore them every day. And my wife was like, why are you wearing the same t-shirt? And I said, I'm not wearing a Nike t-shirt because Nike ain't paying me. I said, I can't afford a billboard, so I'll be the billboard. I don't believe that anyone will ever believe in your brand unless you do. So every day I'd wear the exact same shirt. Now my wife would be like, do you ever change shirt? I'm like, yep, I'm changing it to the other one that has the same logo on it because I have five of them and that's all I wore. And I committed to that part. And I think that when you commit to it, like my dad had a pair of blue sweats and this taught me about branding. He had the blue sweats and he used to wear them up to his neck. Like, you know, old school dads. And they were the drawstring, ugliest blue sweats in the world. We called them the old blues. And I remember saying to my dad, we'd give him a hard time, and then one day he just turned around to me and looked at me. He said, son, I don't have a problem with these. And if you've got a problem, well, then it's your problem. And it just, like, mic drop. And I realized at that time that a brand was nothing more than those old blue sweats. My pop was fine with wearing turtleneck sweats. And I was able to take that into everything that I did. And, I mean, the way that I think about it is if you believe in it, and you work at it hard enough, people will catch on. Or maybe they won't. So what? Move forward with it, fall in love with it. There'll be somebody who falls in love with it too. Great answer. <clears throat> so you used the word different. Let's think about that. You can wear a weird hat and be different. You can throw up in the middle of a movie and be different. You can not take a shower for 17 weeks and be different. But you are talking about personal branding, and so it goes deeper than your hair and your dreadlocks. It goes deeper than this t-shirt row. That's the reputation you have. That's, that's why I've been so curious to become better and deeper friends with you, because it's, it's, it, it's in perfect continuity with the outside look. Don't get me wrong. You're playful, you're passionate, you're honest, you have integrity, you're risk-taking, you're just crazy man on the outside. But what really, what really sets you apart, what really brands you is your integrity and your personality and who you really are before they see your outfit, before they see your dreads, before they see your, your t-shirt. And I want you to talk about that because branding, in my mind, has to, has to go so much deeper than just what people see on the outside. And how many times have we heard, don't judge a book by its cover, and we always say, don't judge and don't judge. And we think that's the seed and, and cause of racism and sexism. We always kind of judge on the outside. Ah, he doesn't have the money or he doesn't have this or that. And then the reality is if we can just look past that and go to the real brand, that's the, that's the secret to, to, to stopping racism and, and sexism in our world and hate and bigotry to, to remember the same God who made you made me too. So talk about that, bro. How do you how do you help someone first and foremost decide on their brand and then counsel them to make sure that the outside must match the inside or it's never gonna sustain itself? I think you just said it, but I, it goes back to my mama. I mean she had long nails and she had the best nails in the world. I lost her about three and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, she used to scratch my back every day and from the time I can remember she would wake me up. And she would be scratching my back and she would call me my Kelly. Like, my Kelly, like, you just have to be my Kelly, that's all it is. And she said that, um, she said, you're awesome. And I, I said that earlier, but I, I really want you to sit in the gravity of that. And when I work with companies or I work with brands, 
most people don't realize that they're awesome. Most people link their accomplishments. They think like, oh, I got an article in Forbes, like I'm awesome. My mom didn't care. She didn't care about any of those things. She said, you're awesome, son, and I want you to know that. And I remember that a story with John Paul DeJoria. John Paul DeJoria owns Paul Mitchell. He sold Patron for $5.1 billion, and he had just done this right before. We've been friends for about 20 years. He's coming to the opening of our Hard Rock location. My mom's in the salon, I'm doing my mom's hair. I'm getting goosebumps while I'm saying. I'm doing my mom's hair, and everyone says, the eagle has landed. That means JP is in the building, like he's in the hard rock. And he flew in just for, he's only been to two openings of salons in the history of Paul Mitchell. One before mine, and the second one was mine. Awesome. He showed, he, he says that, and my mom, I turn to my mom, I'm like, oh my gosh, mom, do you realize, JP is here, and she's like, yeah, yeah, okay. And I said, do you realize what J JP owns Paul Mitchell? He sold Patron for $5.1 billion, $1.3 billion more than George Lucas sold Star Wars for. <laughs> and I say this to my mom. My mom's not even faced. She turned around and she was like, does he know what you do, son? But that's the type of mentality that she imparted from a very early age is, son, you're awesome. And number two, I take people through the part that you're beautiful. I think that she did this because she didn't want me to compare myself to my brothers. My brothers are such high performers. One's one of the top attorneys in Vegas, and one is a, a doctor, one of the top doctors in, uh, in Omaha, Nebraska. And you can imagine growing up a baby that I couldn't read very well, I couldn't write very well, didn't pay attention in class, all these things, but she just kept telling me, you're beautiful, son, don't compare yourself to anyone. Even don't even compare yourself to yourself yesterday, because today, be present right here, right now. And then she told me that I could do anything, anything that I put my mind to. But just because I can put my mind to it, doesn't make it right for me. And so stick inside my purpose. And my dad would sum it up, and I give all the credit to them, because my dad would sum it up like this when I was looking at it. He said, you're the greatest. And he would always write, and it's so funny then, because he would write it, not you are, like with a, with a contraction. He would write it, your, which is wrong English. But it's right English to me because it's my pop. Every day he would write me a little note, put it in my lunch, and he would say, you're the greatest. And then we would be on the phone, you're the greatest. And then it changed. My mom passed away, I told you, June 19th, uh, 2018. And he was just devastated. They were together for about 50 years. And we'd talk every morning, and he would tell me I'm the greatest when I got off the phone. And this day, about two weeks after she passed, it changed. And he said, uh, you're the greatest. And I could hear him pause. And he paused for a second, and then he said, so act accordingly, son. And I feel that if all of us would act according to the greatness that's inside of us, then we wouldn't have any problem developing brands, we wouldn't have any problem selling anything, having downloads on a podcast, or any of those things. But most of the time, people see the Dan Clarks of the world, which I did, and I saw you once day, I was like, wow, how can I model, how can I do that? And then I had to realize back to my mom, don't compare yourself to anybody. Dan is the best speaker in the world because Dan tells Dan's story. And ain't nobody else can tell your story. And that's a part that, uh, that really has been amazing for me. And it goes to three things. One thing that you just said, staying curious. But I tell you, there's three principles that I live by, right? Number one, be kind. Just contribute to every single person. Number two. Wait, wait. So when we came to the studio, <laughs> no, when we came to a club uh, on our way here so I could buy you lunch, uh, my buddy, the owner, Brady, he says, so tell me what you do. And he says, I make people happy. I'm like, dude, that's it right there. So I didn't mean to interrupt, but I meant to interrupt. Thank you. Um, 
No, I mean, it's just, it's being kind. And, and when I found this out, uh, being kind actually meant to be a contribution to people, not to just be nice. And being nice is out of obligation. Being kind is out of contribution. And then the number two is what happened here. Make friends. I mean, we, Jay and I got to go to the coolest place in all of Salt Lake. Why? Not because of me and my merit, but because I have a friend. And when you truly make friends, you don't have to be, I don't have to be good at anything because I have a friend. I don't have to be the best breaker in the world because I got him with me. That makes me so, it's made, and the last part is just, honestly, like, stay so curious, you know? And when you stay curious, it takes your wandering mind into a wondering mind, and that takes you to a completely different level. Okay, so out of curiosity, uh, you had three high-end salons, and before you sold them, your byline, in your uh, in your marketing piece was you want to scale this and take it to the world and I'm like so obviously Kelly next year you'll have like four thousand two hundred sixty two and a half salons somewhere. So how did you differentiate a salon? I mean my mom was a real famous caterer, yeah. and I said mom you got to have this new donut. She goes a donut's a donut. I said you never had a Krispy Kreme, mom. Mm. And they came out. There were shelves full of donuts, and they differentiated themselves. How do you take a hair salon? My daughter-in-law so proudly graduated from Paul Mitchell, the highest end training educational experience for anyone who wants to, to go into this, the hair business, obviously, any big part of it. How did you, what, what attracted you to that specific brand, and then how did you use that affiliation to build your differentiation? in the marketplace so people would come to your salon. Remember what Simon Sinek teaches us. Mm -hmm. The goal is not to do business with everybody who wants what you have. The goal is to do business only with those who believe what you believe so they choose you, not just somebody who does what you do and you had obviously figured it out. What's the secret sauce, bro? <laughs> I don't know that I figured it out, but there was a lady named Fonda and I was 19 years old and I would ask every single uh, uh, representative that would come into the salon that I worked in in Memphis, Tennessee, um, if they had any education for me. And I'd bother them and badger them. And Fonda, I remember, got sick of me. So I was working in the front station, and she pulled up, and I saw her, and she acted like she was doing work in the car because she knew that I was going to badger her. So she waited till I got a client, then she came in. When she came in, I asked my guest, can I step away? I'm going to go say hi to Fonda. <laughs> Fonda put her hands up like this, Dan, and said, okay, 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 okay. I have a class for you, it's this weekend, it's two days, uh, are we done? And I was like, yes, so I took it. And I was so excited, and I just wanted to go to a class because I wanted to learn, I'm super curious, right? I go to the class, I show up, and everyone's so excited, Dan. They're like, can you believe we're here? And I was like, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I, I'm excited, it's a class. And then everybody, they're just over, over, over again. And then we get in the class, and they start the class, and they're like, thank you sir, for so much for being here. We're gonna have three days of education, and at the end, uh, if you pass the certification, you'll be a national educator for John Paul Mitchell Systems. And I looked around, and I was like, I, I didn't sign up for this. I just signed up for a class. And I think that that's how my whole life has been. I got a call from the top speaker in the whole entire world yesterday. And he said, oh, by the way, I'd like to have you on the podcast. And I was like, by the way, I'm flying to uh, Salt Lake because I'm speaking at another conference. I called Jay. Hey, Jay, can we go? Jay's like, yes, I'm in. I tell you, if you let go and allow God to work it, I mean, it, it everything seems to work out. And so with Paul Mitchell, that happened. I became a national educator, so then I just said, 
I'm going to study everyone who's the, the one with all Mitchell. And then when I lost my job, when I created my brand, Kelly Cardenas Salon, no one knew who Kelly Cardenas was. I mean, people in my circle did, but what I did is I took the head, the logo, and I didn't put any words ne next to it. I just put Paul Mitchell under it underneath it. So now everyone who drove by saw Paul Mitchell, the multi-billion dollar brand, and then saw this head. With dreads. With dreads, <laughs> which was the logo. Mm -hmm. And then what I did strategically, over the next five years, I started to make Paul Mitchell smaller, smaller, smaller. And then I extracted it, and I just had the Batman symbol, which was our logo. And now people would look and be like, oh, the Paul Mitchell salon, oh, the Paul Mitchell salon. I think that when you can borrow credibility by making friends, then you get to get into places that you would never, we wouldn't have met Brady today had it not been for you. But now I know Brady, I could be friends with Brady, I got, we got to meet Kurt. So I tell you, Dan, if you make friends, you don't have to be good at anything. I agree. Let's start winding down our message here. Yeah. So with all of your successes in selling your three salons, obviously, how did you maintain the balance, and that's a, I hate that word because when we start talking about work balance, we force it because we think it's an either or proposition. And in your life and in my life, and those of us who we admire, it's an either and proposition. We really can have it all because it's not about multitasking, it's about thinking like a juggler. A juggler only controls the ball on his or her hand. And once you let go of the ball, you relinquish control, so why worry about it? And prioritize and just take care of what you can control right now. So family matters most, and that's a ball you can't afford to drop. Even though you, one kid, another kid, spouse, kid, you've got to keep it rolling. So how, through all of your amazing success and what I call transformation into significance, successful people, as I teach, they get what they think they want, especially for the moment. But those of us who are striving to live lives of significance, we actually want what we get so we don't die with our music still in us. And you're the, you're the poster child, bro. Teach us how you maintained that, not balance, but priority, how you, how you created that harmony with all of these different notes, professional spouse, three beautiful children, everything else going on. How did you do it? Teach us how you, how you not only created your personal power, but how you can teach us to do the same. Well, there's two aspects, and it comes from two women. Number one, my mom. The only curse word she ever said in her life, Dan, was this. Shit. And it was because if you wake up late for work, shit, maybe you were supposed to be late. If you lost your job, shit, maybe you were supposed to get a new one. And she allowed me to do that, and it really solved all the challenges in my life. And then the second one was my wife. And she said, don't try and balance. Just be 100 wherever you're at. And my wife, Brooklyn, is gangster. And so when I hang out with her, she is focused. If we're with the kids, she's focused with the kids. If she's with on date night, she's focused with me. When I'm here, what she told me last night, because I was telling her all these things I want to do when I get to Salt Lake and I get to hang out with Dan Clark and get to do all these things, she's like, shut up, Donnie. And she didn't say that, but that's how I felt. She said, show up, make friends, and be absolutely present where you are and everything else will take place. And it has. Love it. Last question, power players. Um, if you had one hour to live, what's your, what's your message? How do, you, how do you trigger in each of us what really creates personal power? 
it's obviously not fame and fortune. It's got to be something more than that. Let me put you on the hot seat. What do you think? What do you think it is? Last lecture, one hour to live. Your message to the world, Kelly. I think it would be simple, and it would be those three. I'd tell every single person out there, you're awesome. You are so awesome. You are so great. I've, I've got the chance to work with people, uh, you know, business people, CEOs, founders all over the world. But the people who changed my life was the chicken nugget makers. And the chicken nugget makers were a fourth grade uh, basketball team that I got to coach. And I took the fourth grade uh, uh, kids and they came on, they looked like the Bad News Bears. And I told every one of them, I said, you guys are awesome. And I told them every single day. And then I sent, put them in a group and then they would have to say what was awesome about who at the end of the game. And they'd have to say that person's name and look them in the eyes and they'd give them a high five. And I said, we're going to focus on three things, defense, rebounding, passing. They said, Coach C, what are we going to do with, uh, with offense? I said, we ain't going to focus on offense. We're going to focus on defense, rebounding, passing. And we gave them those three, but we gave them the fact that they were awesome, they were beautiful, and that they could do anything. And the chicken nugget makers, no surprise, won the championship. I love it. What a great lesson. So how do we find you? Give us the information about how we can follow you on your podcast. And I uh, will be a guest on Kelly's podcast, so hopefully that episode will pop up and not diminish your credibility. Tell us how to, how to, how to become a follower, a subscriber, a, a, a tribe member of Kelly Cardenas. Uh, KellyCardenas.com, uh, at the real Kelly Cardenas on, um, on Instagram, Kelly Cardenas on LinkedIn. And if you could help me on my TikTok game, my TikTok name is not good. I got a 13 year old daughter, and she's like, Dad, you are not on TikTok. I said, I got to get my, my game up. So uh, it's at the real Kelly Cardenas 23 on uh, TikTok. So there you have it, my friends. <clears throat> As promised, guests who actually help us understand the significance of being a power player. And I don't know what you got out of this. I would hope that you would re-listen and re-listen and share with everyone with whom you come in contact that matters to you. Because we just uh, we were just taken to school, bro. You helped us understand branding. You helped us understand the significance of self-competition. You know, are you tall, are you short, are you wide, are you thin, are you fast, are you slow, are you smart, are you stupid, are you pretty, are you pretty ugly, says who, compared to what? I hope you all listen to what Kelly said. You're awesome. Stay focused, present in every moment. Stay curious. And um, send me 50 bucks. <laughs> Love you, Kelly. Thank you so much. And... Uh, until we meet again, have a great day. The views and opinions expressed on the Power Players podcast do not necessarily reflect those of KUTV or Sinclair Broadcast Group.